Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Welcome. Today with us, we have Kat Kim. She is a spiritual teacher, a leadership coach, and she serves the spiritual nonconformist, the misfit, the misunderstood. In other words, the change makers. For over 10 years, she supported the behavioral changes and spiritual transformation for her clients to create radical nonconformist change in their lives. Her approach is based on hermetic philosophy, new thought teachings, and the wisdom passed down through the ages by Buddha, Jesus Christ, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. She's worked with Dwayne The Rock as a contributing coach and mentor on his motivational reality TV show called Wake Up Call that was aired nationally on TNT. And she was even featured in John Legend's most recent charity single called Love One Another. We're super excited to have her with us. Welcome, Kat Kim. Hi. Well, hi. Morning, afternoon. Where are you located? I'm in Seattle. Oh, awesome. it is morning. Where are you guys? Colorado. Oh, nice. Where? We're in Aurora. Aurora. Oh, okay. I lived in Seattle for two years. No, that's awesome. Where? Um, we lived in Dash Point, right on the water. I loved it. And then we moved to Sammamish by Snoqualmie Falls. We loved oh, it. okay. Nice. Where do you live in Seattle? Um, right now, I'm very close to Dash Point, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, in Federal Way. Yeah, that's where we were. My daughter went to Federal Way High School. Wow. Didn't love the education because we're really spoiled here in Colorado. Wow. So then you're up to Snoqualmie Falls. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Good decision. Yeah, I went to um, Federway High School. Oh, you did? Yeah. And I yeah. dropped out. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where she was headed. <laughs> I saw that you were in Colorado. Is that where you did yeah. your powerful speech? Oh, uh, thank uh, you. Freaking. Oh, I say bad Aww. words. I'm sorry. So that's totally fine if a bad word happens to come oh, out. I heard it on the podcast and I was like, yep, these are my girls. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> no, I was like, yeah, I can hang with these girls. I have to agree with Shanna. Dude, you are a powerhouse. Oh, you, you have, you like own that stage. You own your message. <sighs> own the presence of the audience. I mean, oh, it was strong, powerful thank message. You. Thank Amazing. you. That means so much. They weren't expecting that. They, pro- they didn't know Really? That. Oh no, I dropped a bomb. <laughs> Which and is even better. Yeah. I ruffled well, some feathers with that shit. They were some of them weren't happy. The odd, really? no. oh yeah, oh yeah. That was first of all. I went over by. It was supposed to be ten minutes. It was like a twenty-five minute. But you know what? I was being called to do it. There was like absolutely no doubt about you it. Could tell that everything that when even when I was preparing for it and writing it, it was all just flowing through me. It was the most beautiful experience of like creating the talk in the first place. And there's, there's, you know, there's technique to writing a speech and like all of it just came into place, the story. And I had to take, I had to pay attention to my audience because my audience were ministers. They were, you know, fifties and sixties and seventies people who've been in this organization for decades. Right. So I had to tailor my talk and the way I presented it and I had to make it something that I had to cast the vision 
for them so that they would be on board too. So it wasn't just me talking to a smaller or like a younger crowd, but I had to cast that vision wide enough so that, so that it, it invites everyone across all boards. And so it was challenging to create it, but it, it happened with so much flow. And then when I was on stage, it just like, you know, moved through me. I wasn't nervous at all. <laughs> it's almost like you have an outer body experience and it totally. just totally. It absolutely did. It was so, it came with total ease. The only nervous moment I had was right before I got on stage because I, you know, I was looking at their, their schedule and I was like, I was only scheduled there for 10 minutes like for sure. And I was like, fuck, you know, like, say like shit in 10 minutes. yeah, I was like, what do I change it? Do, what do I do? And I was getting a little bit nervous about, cause you know, changing my whole talk after I've prepared it and practiced it for that long, that it's not even possible. And I was mm -hmm. like, nope, it's not, it's not going to happen. So I just went on stage and I just did it. And <laughs> well, you could tell you were definitely in flow and oh. it was powerful and captivating. And oh. I love, you know, like I was on the edge of my seat and then when, you know, you changed it up at the end, I was like, oh, holy shit. She just <laughs> totally just, wow. Wow. I appreciate that so much. Oh my goodness. You want to know what else? I'm curious. Mm -hmm. Did you strategically plan, you know, they always talk about different colors for like interviews. Well, there's actually a story. To, there's like, um, I didn't strategically do that for this talk, but I've had a vision of me in a red dress on stage. The lady in red. <laughs> yeah, that was my vision that I had 10, 15 years ago when I was, I was a drug addict. I was like drop, high school dropout. I was depressed. And there was this moment where I, where I was like, oh my God, that's the woman that I want to be. I want to walk into a room and have people notice me. I want to have substance and character. And I want to make it, I want to make a difference in people's lives. I want to make an impact. Mm -hmm. And it was this vision of me in a red dress on stage. <laughs> So it's kind of like, um, it's part of my, you know, it's just my look. It's what I, it's, I love the color red. It's who I am. Well, it's powerful, but it also represents love. It represents you being yeah. grounded and the foundation you're trying to build. And then I'll never forget when I was in college, they taught us that if you're going to a job interview, you should always pop like red lips or red yeah. heels or a red shirt because oh, I love that. Yeah. it represents owning your power and yeah own all right well this maroon is about as much as red as shanna gets <laughs> i'm so not red maybe i need to be i don't know but i'm not <laughs> thank you so much for being with us i mean yeah. seriously we're so excited oh my goodness it's an honor i'm having so much fun already <laughs> <laughs> well, good yeah. yeah we're kind of fun I'm not gonna <laughs> so tell us where this journey started for you. I, I know that your past looks a lot like mine. Hmm. You know, I'm in recovery. I made, yeah. I lived a wild life with a lot of adventure. So when I saw yeah. the email come through and it talked about, you know, how you used to be a drug addict and then <laughs> I saw you on stage, I'm like, there's no way. There's just no way. <laughs> Well, and Mandy just actually celebrated 10 years. Yay! Yeah. Good yeah, for you, no. sister. Yeah. You know, my struggles really began when I was six years old. My mother began feeding me diet pills. And I didn't know, like, I didn't know what was going on at that time. I was just barely tall enough to, like, reach over the kitchen counter. And I would, like, every morning I would be like this looking at my, my mom. And she would be at the kitchen counter and she'd be cutting these pills. And I thought... I asked her one day, I was like, why are you doing that? And she said, these are diet pills. 
And these are for adults. And since you're just a child, you only need half of them. So at that time, I didn't question it. I didn't think there was something wrong with it. You know, as children, we, we haven't developed that capacity to understand. I just accepted. I just accepted that there was something wrong with me. There was something wrong with my body and that I needed to be fixed. And this kind of was like the beginning of a lifelong struggle of low self-esteem, horrible body image and um, lack of self-worth. And, you know, I felt ugly. I felt unwanted. I felt unworthy all by the time I was in second grade. Right. I also grew up in a really emotionally and physically abusive environment, and I started rebelling at a really young age. I started smoking and drinking at 13, doing hardcore drugs at 16 at Federal High School, Mandy. <laughs> and um, I started dealing cocaine when I was 18 years old, and I was transporting it from Washington State to California on the plane. <laughs> so this was like before 9-11. It was so Wait, easy. You where guys. were you putting it? <laughs> you can you really be real creative with that. <laughs> yeah. Do you really want to know? <laughs> no, I was actually putting it. Well, right. No, yeah. But I was yeah, <laughs> not that creative <laughs> and not that bold either. <laughs> Put them in um, maxi pads. <gasps> That's Ooh. you know. I think Mandy and I once tried to be creative with something like that too. So yeah. Yeah, I used to use the end of tampons, you know, the plastic piece to snort it through when I worked in Vegas. I, I mean, it was perfect. It didn't get stuck to it. It was, yeah, you know, we get what? creative. Okay, yeah. I'm like so fascinated right now. And had it been another time, I would have been like, Mandy, what? <laughs> Seriously love you guys right now. <laughs> this is too funny. Yeah, so I, I was transporting it over the plane from Washington State to California. One day I got caught. I was handcuffed. I was put behind bars mm. in Oakland, California, of all places. So oh, that time, oh my God. Right, right. Like Oakland is was notorious at that time for high rates of homicide and violent crimes. And I was right there, right in the middle of that. You know, you would think this was my wake up call. You would think this was my wake up call, but it wasn't. I was on the fast track of self-destruction. Um, self I didn't care what happened to me. I wasn't afraid at that time. And it wasn't a fearlessness that came from like courage though. It, it was a, a fearlessness that came from absolute lack of self-worth. Someone who, a young woman who didn't care about her future and her body and what was happening to her in that moment. It was just absolute reckless behavior. I was, and even while I was in jail, I was trying to make drug deals. I was like, I know there are some drug dealers here. Like, You're an entrepreneur. <laughs> right? <Go get> her. <laughs> Network. <laughs> Network and make some connections. Then suddenly facing up to three years in state prison. What happened in that time is that I, I pled guilty. I was court mandated to go to rehab for two years. I cleaned up the drugs, but this was not the end of my problems. You know, just because you clean up one thing in your life, addiction is something that, you know, it moves on, it, it morphs into other things. I started becoming really, really involved in very toxic relationships with abusive men. This entire time I hated myself, I hated my body. I, I walked around in big baggy clothes and I, was, I walked around like I was a mean, nasty bitch. And, and these beliefs, they, they just, you know, because I was putting it out there, it just, they came back into my life the experiences in my life validated my beliefs to be true about how unworthy and how ugly and how unwanted I was. And so 
it really wasn't until um, several years later that I was walking down my apartment hallway. I was involved in a very toxic, emotionally abusive relationship at that time. I was depressed, you know, sleep most of the day. And I would lay on my couch and I wouldn't be able to lift my arms. I was like, there was this something just pushing me down. And it was so dark and I couldn't even move my body. It was, it was wallowing in my own depression. And um, one day I was going, trying to go somewhere. I was walking down my apartment hallway and um, across the elevator door, there was this really, really big mirror. And I just glanced up and I saw, um, I got a glimpse of someone standing there. It was like her hair was unkept, her, she was overweight. She was, her face was really swollen. And I looked at her and I was like, oh, I cringed because she just looked really, it wasn't even so much about what she looked like. It was this deep, dark emanating energy that came from her. And in that moment, even while I was wallowing in my own toxicity and depression, I just thought, oh my God, at least I'm not that bad. You know, I kind of judged her in that moment. And then I realized that there was nobody else in that hallway. It was me. Like I had, I had looked oh, at, no. yeah, I, I got a glimpse of myself in the mirror. I had become so disconnected with the woman that I wanted to be and the woman that I was being that I didn't even recognize myself. When I saw myself oh. in the mirror, that was my wake up call. Finally, after all those years, that was my wake up call. Who uh, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Because the woman that I wanted to be was beautiful. She was powerful. She was impact. She was transforming lives. You know, that's who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. But at that moment, I was nothing even near that, nothing close. And this sounds a little overly dramatic, but it, it literally happened like this. I got into the elevator. And the elevator door is closing. And, you know, across from me now is that, that mirror, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. this is it. Oh. This is the moment that I change, you know? And this is the moment that I say goodbye to this woman. And I step into who I really want to be. And oh, I began wow. studying everything under the sun around transformation. I became so obsessed. Girls, it's not even crazy. Like, I became a, a, a professionally certified image consultant. So I began studying like colors and style and women's body shapes. And how do you, how do you bring out the essence of a woman and who they are on the inside? And how do you uh, reflect that? And, and um, you know, with colors and clothing, how do you bring out their and highlight their natural beauty? Like that's, I became really obsessed about that. And I started to kind of undergo this physical transformation. And that's where the, this vision I had of a woman, that was me, red dress, right, Mandy? That's what you're asking. There it is. Um, yeah. And um, then I, be I went under, I underwent three years of transformative life coach training to understand what the mind goes through. And I also became a nationally certified personal trainer because I wanted to understand what the body goes through when it undergoes transformation. So I studied like nutrition and, you know, working out and all of that. And this quest for transformation on the outside, ironically, just kept on taking me deeper and deeper on the inside. And this is where I discovered the world of spirituality and quantum physics and metaphysics. And, you know, now I'm a licensed spiritual practitioner and I am um, considering the ministerial path. So I have my first license and it's just a matter of, you know, do, do I do this or not? So I have one foot in. Through all of this, you know, transformation and all these experiences, I just, I just knew that you know, what I'm going to do is take all of these experiences, overcoming addiction um, and abuse and all of these things and to help women go through the same and help others go through the same. And so I've dedicated my career to doing that. 
And so I founded the School of Divine Confidence where I provide the spiritual training and confidence coaching to rising women leaders. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> There's just so much in your story. I mean, at one moment I wanted to cry. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm so grateful for that, that mirror. Hmm. And I remember that feeling. I remember when I was in my addiction and I looked at myself and I, same thing. I was yeah. like, how did I even become this? What, yeah. what happened to me? Where am I? Yeah. You know, and I, my hair was brittle and I was malnourished. Oh. The self-hate was just like seeping out of my pores. Yeah. No light in my eyes and my skin was dry. Uh, you know, and what's really funny is at the time I thought I was really holding my shit together. <laughs> God, how distorted our thinking is when right. we're in addiction. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I got my admission photo that I had to wear on my neck for 30 days in rehab. Mm -hmm. I was appalled. <laughs> and it's very humbling to have to look down at that for 30 yeah. days and see the condition I looked like when I walked into that place. And I have it still. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You have it attached to your writing mm -hmm. about addiction. So I was going to ask you, did you have to do the really deep work? I mean, did you have to go back and kind of heal that younger, that six-year-old little girl taking that pill and find forgiveness for your mother? I mean, like, what did all that process look like for you? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that, that's the, that's the part where I started going into spirituality because I realized because I was on this quest for transformation on the outside. You know, I wanted to look better. I wanted to just be, do, do things differently. I wanted to be a different person. And I thought it was this, this, all this stuff that you change on the outside. And, and I discovered that, no, it's not, it's not that, it, you know, if you want to affect change on, in your outer world, then you've, you know, you've got to um, go to the source of that, which is you had to go beyond the physical, which is the metaphysical. So you have to go into your consciousness and excavate what's going on there. And so that's, that's what prompted me to go on this spiritual journey. And, mm -hmm. you know, to tell you the truth, it doesn't happen overnight. And I'm still, I'm still excavating shit. It's like, damn, it's like, it's never ending. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So and do you find that the more you're teaching others, the more you're learning too? Cause I mean, I feel like everything that I have learned to add to my toolbox to help others has yeah. just really, you know, been tenfold for myself as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if this is appropriate and please don't feel like you have to answer this question, mm -hmm. but what would you say today to mm -hmm. your six-year-old self? Oh yeah. I would tell her all the things that I have never heard as a child or even as a teen growing up in my family, I would tell her that she is so, 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 so beautiful and that she's so strong and that her body is amazing and that she can do all the, I was, I was really strong as a child. I, I did gymnastics. I did all, I was physically kind of advanced in terms of like, I was very athletic, but I never was able to develop that. You know, I never de developed any of my natural talents because I was in, I was in a very abusive environment. And so I would nurture all of those things. I would nurture my genius. I would nurture my intelligence. I would nurture my physical capabilities. I just again and again and again, I would just be like a broken record again and again and again. Because the truth is, is we've all received that broken record conditioning. And the conditioning that I received was that I'm ugly, I'm unworthy, and I'm unwanted. So I would reverse that 100%.
Oh, I'm so sorry. And I think that sometimes we don't even realize that that's yeah. part of our subconscious yeah. know, thoughts coming in on a daily. Yeah. So to recognize that, to have that awareness is life changing, obviously yeah. for you, yeah. it was so yeah. You start to help people and you do speeches at churches. So do you have a religion? What is spirit? I'm so confused about the churches and the spirituality and all that. Cause you know, I've, I've been running from church for, for a while now. Actually, I heard you say that in in that speech that you gave here in Denver at the mile high church. Yeah. You know, the, the politics of church and the control and the, the money and all these things. And so what, what are the churches that you're, that you go to and speak at? Yeah. Very good question. Because I'm the same. I'm the same as okay. you. I, I, I don't claim any organized religion. Actually. Okay. I'm not part of an organized, well, technically new thought. So the new thought organization yeah. first started off not as an organization. And it's, it's really, okay. um, it's like all path. They really believe that all paths lead to God. So we're very inclusive of all religions and teachings. And the real important thing with New Thought is finding the golden thread in different religions, which eventually, which essentially all boils down to the oneness, the oneness of who we are, number one. And secondly, that we all come from the same source, which is the mind of God. We all are connected from the same source. And through that connection, that's why we're all one. And so my philosophy of thought really focuses on that piece and that if we're all connected from the mind of God, what does that actually mean? That means that um, the infinite power of spirit, the unconditional love, infinite intelligence that exists in the mind of God. And therefore that actually exists within us as well. So this philosophy of thought is so much about connecting to that source, connecting to that truth and using that using that, um, activating that, using our, the power of our mind and, and, you know, creating change in the world. So it's called a new thought. It's a, it's a movement, the new thought movement, new thought movement, or also higher thought. And it's a spiritual movement. And there are some churches or are some Oh, there's, oh, there's hundreds of churches. Yeah. So there's several that fall under this category that you can call them signs of mind churches, which is where okay. I've been licensed from. Um, do you know Michael Beckwith? He came out in the secret black man. Oh, minister. Yes. I know him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Michael Beckwith. He's, he's also under new thought. So the, what he, okay. and he has a church in LA called Agape. So that's also new thought. Um, so you know, I went to a church like this in Seattle for the first time ever. It was, oh. I think, a center of spiritual living. Yes, yes. that's I, where that's where I got my training. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just happened to be sitting around a fire at a barbecue, and everyone was just drinking a lot. And me and this <laughs> other woman, we were like, "Let's get out of here." She's like, "Do you want to go to my house?" Yeah. So we went next door to her house, and she started talking to me about how she's a surgeon. And she is leaning towards spirituality because she's seen so many people have these energies around them while she's, you know, working on. And so we dove into all these books. We had an amazing night and she asked me to come to that church with her. And I'll never forget. I walked into the shop after the service and I looked around and I was like, 
almost in tears because there was uh, pictures of Jesus, pictures of Buddha. And I mean, anything you could possibly think of. I think I called you, Shanna, like, holy shit. You've got to find one of these out there. This is awesome. Oh my God. Okay. So, you know, in my talk, when I talk about the only reason I kept coming back was because of the bookstore. bookstore? That was it. That was it, man. This is trippy. This is so trippy. That that book, that bookstore had such an impact on me. I just remember thinking this is the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced. And I went in and I bought the CD of the message for the day and I couldn't believe the oneness I felt. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's it. That's, that's where it all happened for me too. Oh my God. Uh, That's so trippy. Yes. I kept coming back for the bookstore actually. And, Mm -hmm. and the message that was like, totally not about Jesus. Like there's no mention of Jesus. There's no, they don't even use the word God. And so Mm -hmm. that was perfect for me at that time, who for someone who just didn't want anything to do with church, didn't want anything. Right. But still wanted to deepen my spiritual practice. And, and, you know, I was, I read all of the law, you know, Abraham books. I did all of those things. I wanted, I wanted more. I wanted more. Because you know what, Kat, is that I do feel that there is a need for a community, right? I think that that's the only really important thing about the church. Yeah. Is that, you know, that you do have a place to go where you could be around like-minded people. And I do believe the energy of more than one person is going to be more powerful for prayers and for support. Yeah. So I love that. And so I hope that they, I don't know. So you think that there's one here in Colorado? Well, yeah, that's the one I went to, Mile High. Oh, that is the one. The new, yeah. it's called, it's called Mind Science uh-huh. and it's called Mile High Church, Mile High, right? it's the biggest, it's the biggest one, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So you did a talk mm-hmm. at the Mile High Church. It was an amazing speech and I want you to kind of share some of it with our listeners. But what was hilarious is that you're talking about this affair, that you have <laughs> witnessed in this, in this yeah. church. And I was like, holy shit. She called out somebody having an affair because that totally happens. Right. I mean, so I'm like, damn, yeah. she's up on yeah. the stage about ready just to sell out this dude. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and that's not what it was. So can you share with our yeah. listeners about this amazing speech yeah. that you gave and, um, and really what yeah. it was about? Yeah. So just, <laughs> this was really funny. In the front seats, there was um, all yeah. of the leaders of this organization. And <laughs> they there probably the, shook the their pants, some of them. Oh, oh my God. It was <laughs> kind of funny. The leader of the leader, like the um, the spiritual leader of the entire globe, right? Because we have centers all across okay. the world, right? Yeah. He's there right in front of me. And I look down <laughs> and he's like, his eyes are closed. And he's like bracing himself. <laughs> Because you totally play this out so well. I was so convinced. I'm like, holy shit, this is terrible. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I was, I was essentially telling, you know, them, I was like, I have been studying this. I've put my time into this. And I realized that there was an affair going on. And this affair, once I realized it was happening, I was like, oh my God, does anyone else, does anyone else see this? Is it just me? And the minute that I saw it, it just, it really it hurt a lot. It made me question everything about what I was learning in, about spirituality, everything that I was learning in that center. You know, it made me doubt all of my teachers. It made me question all these years that I had put into spiritual studies and what I had, and, you know, because I was running a business 
on what I had been learning. I was teaching people these principles. And then to see this affair, I was like, yeah. fucking a. Like, what am I a part of? What? Yeah. What am I a part of? What is this? And how come nobody's talking about it? And as much as I wanted to ignore it, I could not ignore it. Right. In the talk, I say, you know, the affair that I noticed that was happening, that was that was illegitimate, essentially, was this affair between spirituality and consumerism. And that these two things have been tied together and that um, essentially, you know, spirituality and consumerism, there's been this marriage between these two things. And I realized that this is what we've been practicing We've been practicing spirituality to be better consumers. And I, I named it consumer spirituality, which is the mainstream pop culture spirituality of today that essentially trains us to be better consumers. And inadvertently, not purposefully, right, but inadvertently perpetuates blind conformity to the dominating and oppressive structures of consumer capitalism. And prior to this speech that you gave, you had wrote an essay that like went freaking viral. <laughs> yeah. And so obviously somebody's listening. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. They're they're sick of the old shit. They're mm-hmm. seeing through it. And yeah. we want change. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was really uncomfortable to bring this conversation out. Uh, oh, I'm sure. It was, you know, it, it was really like, first of all, to come to this realization that the spiritual practice that I have been talking about and teaching others that that it was based in consumer capitalism and it was really only teaching us to be better consumers. It made me question everything about what I thought I wanted in life. You know, when I began my spiritual practice, I was like, oh, so I can just use my thoughts and create more money. I can get a better home. I can, you know, get a better relationship. And all of my focus was on those things, how to get a better something for me, 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 me. Right. And there was nothing for me personally, there was nothing that I had learned from my personal spiritual studies, nor from the organization that I was part of. And this is what I was calling them out on. I was like, there's nothing here. I've been studying with you guys for three years. There's nothing here about social change and how we are going to use these principles to create social change. Like, why do I have to go outside of my, this organization to, why do I, you know, like, I, then I began reading Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And, and reading Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s books and his brilliance, you begin to see the difference between his teachings and then the teachings, for example, of Abraham Hicks. Now, I'm not knocking on Abraham Hicks, but when you think about the differences in those teachings, there's a vast, vast difference. And I really began to question all of that. I started writing about it more. It was very polarizing because I know people love Abraham Hicks. It was like very difficult to go through that as an Asian woman, <laughs> you know, who's, who's really been conditioned to please and to not mm. ruffle feathers. It was very yeah, difficult to, to, push, yeah, to go through that personally. Yeah. Very courageous. There was so much about your article. I totally understand why it went viral. It's an easy read. You can wrap your mind around it, but there's so much substance to it. Um, There was, you know, the part about um, consumer spirituality becomes an ego soothing drug rather than an Mm -hmm. ego dissolving journey. I loved that, especially with your past, because me and you truly know what an ego soothing drug is. That was powerful. And then I also loved how you talked about how it neglects humanity, that it talks human emotions like pain and rage and conflict and grief are all labeled as like bad. And that's what I thought my whole life. I carried that with me until recently. 
thinking that those feelings were made me bad and a bad person. Mm -hmm. We were gifted with those emotions for a reason. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time to wrap my head around that. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have met you about 20 years ago. So you could have told me. Well, you guys would have been out in Vegas together snorting through a tampon straw for that 20 years ago. I know. Very true. Oh gosh. I think that with the isolation that COVID has placed on our world, people are even striving more to be part of a community because as Shanna and I had learned, our brains need oxytocin to be Mm -hmm. happy. And so that oxytocin, the best way you get it is through connection with others. And that's why I believe that God put us on earth together is to be there one another. This is the thing. This is why I talk about consumer spirituality, because I think people have this notion that spirituality is about awakening and bliss, and it's going to feel so great. And it's going to be, you're going to be positive. And of course there are elements of that, of course, but because we are humans living in a um, 3d or 4d world, you know, we live in the world of duality and there's black and then there's white and then there's hot and then there's cold and then there's enlightenment and then there's suffering you know and all of these are are part of this journey it's 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 what makes us whole and what i began to see in the spiritual community is this constant focus on positivity um and that if you're not being positive that you're doing spirituality wrong and uh, you know so much bypassing and i just thought this isn't this is not this is not it this is not it because our pain and suffering is is what makes us who we are and makes us grow it's a fertilizer for so much growth and so Mm -hmm. when i wrote about consumer spirituality i identified four things and mandy you you kind of mentioned a couple of them but one consumer spirituality, the mainstream pop culture spirituality of today. Uh, It does four things. One, it appropriates and it commodifies ancient spiritual teachings. So it cherry picks, you know, the easy, the positive aspects of spiritual traditions and it packages them so they're easily palatable for the Western world, right? Um, Two, it promotes self-interest and personal development over all else. So, um, So spirituality is not used as a way to alleviate collective suffering, but to to become more personally um, comfortable, efficient, wealthy, right? That's such a big topic for people. We want more abundance, right? Um, more personally powerful, right? It's all about the self. It has nothing to do with um, the collective. And thirdly, consumer spirituality teaches us to be relentlessly positive and to seek pleasant emotional experiences at all costs. This is what you were talking about earlier, Mandy, about how uncomfortable emotions such as grief, rage, pain, suffering, they're all cast as the opposite of spiritual enlightenment and um, almost cast as being like low vibe, right? And then fourth, consumer spirituality encourages overconsumption and materialism. You know, the law of abundance and the law of infinite supply, when that's married to consumerism, right? The belief that we can do whatever we want, when that's married to consumerism, it just ends up promoting the constant overconsumption. It just makes us like hungry for more and more and more and more and more. It's completely devoid of the actual spiritual truth that we are fully in this moment right here, right now, as God is our source, we are 100% fully supplied in this moment. 
And that's where we need to return because if we can't return to that, then we're constantly just creating more experience of scarcity and lack again and right. again and again. And I wonder, is it even returning to? Because I mean, did we even ever have it? I feel like they cherry picked things, true. And I'd say that as well goes for history. We've yeah. learned this wonderful history. I mean, Thanksgiving coming yes. up. I mean, yeah. come on, let's not yeah. celebrate the fact that we took all the freaking land for him and then gave him a fucking yeah. turkey. Are you yeah. kidding me? That didn't right. happen. Oh. You know, and it's the same thing in religions. They want you just to go to a priest and that's good enough. Just ask for yeah. forgiveness. You don't have to yeah. do the work. Yeah. It was like, oh, let's just make everything real nice. Yeah. So then everything would just be real nice, but we're fucking human beings. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you the, uh, my son, he loves researching stuff too. He's 21. And he recently was talking to me about how at, you know, at the beginning, the Romans were really um, open-minded and used a lot of even psychedelics and yeah. things in their rituals. And then mm-hmm. once they realized that people could get a con- spiritual connection and could find spiritual spirituality outside of the church, mm-hmm. they started like going freaking out because yeah. they were like, wow, these people, yes, they need to need us because yeah. we need them exactly. to rise in power. Yeah. Well, that's precisely what happened. And they ended up taking away bits and pieces of the Bible. I've never been like a a Bible reader myself until recently, because now I know how to look at it from a metaphysical point of view. What I learned is that they took out pieces of the Bible. They took out all the, you know, conveniently, they removed all the pieces that really teach us our divine, our connection to divinity and our source of power that is God that every person has like all things, it's become a form of control. Now, I love that you were brave enough. I love that you were brave enough to not only write this, this beautiful article, but to stand up. Thank you. Were you, were you like shitting your pants the night before? (laughs) The whole experience was really, really beautiful. Actually, it was just right before I got on stage. That was that moment where I was like, oh my God, they're actually not prepared for this. And I was in there for a 10 minute slot. And my talk, I know it was like 25 minutes, you know, that was my only moment, but then it went away. I got on stage and, you know, I, I just, I spoke. I want to play a clip too. I actually went and took a clip Mm. out that I loved so much. See if I could play it. That voice was like, it wouldn't go away. It was just, it was like buzzing in my ear. I was like, get out, get out. But it wouldn't. And it was just driving me crazy. So finally I had to talk to somebody. So I went to Reverend John Hollis in Seattle. I said, Reverend John, what's happening? I think I've been called. And I thought he was going to laugh in my face and tell me to go home. But instead he said, you seem afraid. What are you afraid of? And I said, Reverend John, I'm afraid that I'll have to change who I am. And then he said something to me that I will never forget. He said, Kat, the path to God doesn't mean changing who you are. It means being more of who you are. And that's when I knew. That and when the minister cussed at the pulpit, that is when I knew that I had found my religion. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Yes, that was my favorite part. By the way, Mandy, this was at Centers for Spiritual Living Seattle's. 
I remember exactly where I was talking to him. And I know you walked past that hallway because that's just the opening in of the center. But yeah, I, I just remember that so clearly. He said, Kat, the path to God isn't about changing who you are. It's about being more of who you are. And I just thought, oh my God, I had never heard about it that way. For so many people and for myself, this particularly God is and religion or anything about, you know, Jesus or God was all about, you have to change yourself. You need yeah. to be a better person. You need to conform. You need to do this, all that. And I was like, what? wait, what? I can be more of who I am. I can be yeah. more I can, and for me, that meant I can be more of just me. I can be more powerful. I can be more, I can cuss more. I can wear more red dresses. I can be sexy. I can be all the things that I know that I'm being called to be. And that for me is being, having a relationship with God. I was like, oh, it just blew my mind. You yeah. know what? And now knowing your story and knowing about that six-year-old little girl yeah. who thought she had to change. Yes. And so that was such an impactful statement yeah. for him exactly. to have made to you. Exactly. Very, very exactly. And it was truly a moment where I was like, this is my spiritual religion, whatever you want to call it. I was like, this is it. I'm down with this. I'm down with this. And this is something I can get behind. And this is something I can teach others and bring others on board too. Right. Mm-hmm. And he cusses. Yeah. <laughs> You want to know what? It's so funny because I did a video after my second near-death experience. I was like, oh, wow. I, w- I told people, I'm like, guess what? My first death, I was sinning. I was sinning like you wouldn't believe and I didn't go to hell. And guess what? I know now yeah. that God loves me unconditionally. I can say fuck and he still yes, loves me. Exactly. Exactly. My yeah. God cusses. I don't know about you, but like I hear it, I hear it cussing all the time. It's like motherfucking shit. Like what the hell? Like all the time. <laughs> you know, it's so true. Years ago, Shanna said, "Mandy, I'm so sad that our world doesn't understand what unconditional love actually means." I said, "What do you mean?" She goes, "It means loving with no conditions." You know, we throw that word out all the time, but we've forgotten the meaning behind it. And God loves us with no conditions. Exactly. We have been taught to live in this place of fear and to change. I'm I'm, I'm a nonconformist down to the core. And so whenever I get this feeling like I have to conform or change myself to be something or something or be put in a box, I really uh, just resist that. So that's why I have, I have become so interested in this philosophy of thought and to really in the future, I think I'm being called to preserve the teachings of it and to share it outside of the consumer spirituality box, you know, and you know, that's kind of what's, what I feel like is coming up for me next. It's so needed. People are awakening right now. Yeah. The timing is perfect. People are saying no more. It does take people like you who are brave enough to stand up and not only just say it, but you owned it. I am curious with Shanna really being so into ancestral healing, the way you were raised by your mother, was that something in your lineage? Was that something that was taught to her? Is that part of your culture? Oh my God. See, that's just a, I went through a journey of ancestral healing just recently. You did? The last couple of years. It's fucking- Me too. Did you? Yeah, it's like deepest healing I've ever gone through. 
ever, ever. And I was thinking of this as you were asking me earlier, like, uh, I think your question was, you know, did you have to go inwards? And I think I answered like, yeah, I have to go inwards and it's never ending. And I was just thinking of my most recent healing around ancestral. Well, so call myself like cat 3.0 now. Cause it's, I've been like, there's been three versions of cat and you've heard some yeah. of my transformations, but my most recent major transformation happened just in the last couple of years, two years ago, I purchased a one-way ticket to Seoul, Korea, because at that time I was mired in this really, really toxic relationship with my family. My father had a gambling addiction. He was 80 some years old and he, he could barely walk and barely eat, but he was going to the casino and he was throwing thousands of dollars yeah. away. It was tearing our family apart, tearing our family apart. My mom had high anxiety. She was stressed. She was sick because of the gambling and the money issues. We didn't know what was going on with my family, with the house, the finances, nothing. The reason I'm in federal way, Mandy, is because I came back home to help my parents with this. I realized that it was not helping. It became a codependent relationship where I was trying to fix something on the outside, but the, the issue from the inside kept on coming to the surface. I was so sick and tired of it. I was so, my hair was falling out. It was a very, very stressful time. My niece was also in prison for the same crime pretty much as mine. It was really bizarre this time. And I was like, I can't handle this anymore. I'm fucking out. And I've always wanted to return to Korea because that's where I was born. And I've always wanted to connect with my culture and my heritage. So I purchased a one-way ticket and I was like, I'm leaving. And it was like this big deal because I started doing this countdown on social media and people were following me along on this journey. And it was like day 12, day 11, day 10, you know, all of these things. On day eight, eight days before my departure, I found my father dead in his bed. I walked into his room and I thought he was sleeping. I called out his name and he didn't answer. And in that moment, I knew like he had passed away. And actually it was this most peaceful parting of ways there was no hospital, no pills, no pain, no suffering as he passed. It was like his way of saying, okay, I'm done. I'm leaving you guys. I'm blessing you guys. It's now time for you guys to heal and clean up, you know, all this mess. As soon as he passed away, my brother came home. My cousin came home. There was five of us. We went through thousands of documents because he, good thing he didn't throw anything away, but he kept everything in his office but he never shared any of that with us. So we went through thousands and thousands and thousands of documents trying to get a picture of what was happening with the finances, the house and everything. Long story short, he had a bankruptcy. He had forged his signature on three different loans forged my mother's signature. So my mother now is responsible for these, we're talking $250,000, you know? And it was just so much. I was like, what the hell is going on? You know, there's something going on here that's not about me. And so I reached out to a family constellation therapist and we did some, I was instructed to find out as much as I could about my father. And I was like, well, my father's dead. Did you not hear me say that? And secondly, when my father was alive, he, he never spoke about his past. He was like concrete wall. And I knew nothing about anything about his past. I didn't even realize until after his death that I had paternal grandparents. It never, it never, yeah, it never crossed my mind. 
Oh, because it was, just, yeah. it was just my dad and my dad is a brick wall and there's no you don't question energetically if you think about it there was no question yeah. there's no going past this wall wow so to try to find information about him and figure out why he he started gambling and what caused this addiction it was really hard but here's what I found out I had another brother who, number one who died oh. at birth and he was suffocated on accident actually by his caregivers oh, he died as a oh and I thought well okay so that would make someone you know shut down for sure yeah. I did some further digging and I found out that my father was actually involved in politics in Korea and he was so involved at one time that he was working with presidential candidate that was running against a dictator in Korea <sighs> and Korea has had political turmoil for many, many years because it was first occupied by Japan from 1910 to 1945. And then after that, it went into civil war. So it's it's been, you know, political turmoil for, for a long, long time. And so my father was part of the, uh, the fight for democracy against that dictator. And you never knew. I never knew this. I never knew this. And I found out that my father was taken into a basement bunker. Oh. He was tortured. And, you know, basically told, if you ever get, if you go back to politics, we're going to kill you. And I was like, oh my God. And I mean, how did you find this out? Like stories that you were finding on Ancestry or something? No, no. I found out from my oldest brother who had been estranged from my father. (laughs) Oh my God. Because of money issues. So just the whole point of this is that my family has money issues around shame. Right. We've all been broken apart because of money. So I was trying to get to the, and there's been addiction Mm. in all, like me, my father, my brothers. So I was trying to get to the underlying reason. It just all fell into place and it all made sense that, Mm -hmm. oh my God, my dad, like the trauma of that moment is what you know is what he has carried and what is what has been passed down so and never talked about it never never and your mom either your mom never nope. shared either so nope. sworn to I secrecy i don't think she knows i don't think she oh. knows to that extent because oh. we have a very broken family like my brothers don't talk to my mother none of that you know the reason i even reached out was because at that time i was feeling like i was suffocating like i was like oh my god i, I need to like get out of here yeah. i can't breathe i feel like i'm gonna like you know like there's something going on And then, so the trippy part is that I realized that my father, and I had this, you know, you can call it an intuitive hit, or you can call it, you can call it whatever, but I know that my father was telling me, showing me what happened. I got this image of him having something wrapped around his neck, and that he was um, around his head, and that he was suffocating. Mm. And that was the moment, that was the moment where he was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to survive, because he Mm. couldn't breathe, you know, he couldn't, he was suffocating. And so that trauma has been passed down. But check this out. I had this feeling of suffocating and dying. Yeah. Who else in my family actually suffocated and died? My brother. That the I little knew. baby. Yes. I, I don't even know his name. I don't know anything about him. But he's my brother. He suffocated and died. My dad was suffocating and he almost died. And this, this feeling of, I, did, I just need to survive. I just need to survive. And I'll do whatever it takes to just survive. That has been passed down, even through me. For so many years, I was like, I just need to, like, I mean, you heard a bit of my story around drugs and alcohol, constantly being put in situations where I'm like, I'm fucking like, 
doing whatever I can to survive. Like I, I gotta survive, you know? And so this feeling of anxiety has, you know, lived within me, my family, um, my father and his gambling addiction around money. You know, I just, I just have enough to barely survive. It's like this, this, that's the, that was the trauma that's been passed down. And, and on, and, you know, it's, you know, family trauma is so multifaceted too. So it's those aspects that were passed down to me. And, and ironically, uh, also the, uh, the fear of showing up and speaking my truth. Are you kidding me? Like yeah. I have years, I have been just like, I feel it is very, it, you know, this is the thing about family trauma, ancestral trauma is like you have this fear or this, uh, that it's not rooted in logic. And so every time I did a talk, every time I did something, I always felt like someone would come in and stab me in my stomach. It's very like, it's not even logical, but it's very, very vulnerable feeling that I have. And I realized that that's also connected to my father's trauma. They almost took his life. They said, if you ever get back into politics, if you ever speak your truth again, essentially, we will come and kill you. So he shut that off completely. Never spoke about it ever, ever, ever. And so these last couple of years, I've been undergoing a massive healing around that particular issue. And ironically, so I didn't go to Korea, right? I was like, you know what? This is where I'm going to start my the School of Divine Confidence. I have everything it takes mm -hmm. right now to start the School of Divine Confidence. I was given this vision, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and I realized I have everything to do to start that. And then I started um, getting invited to doing more talks. And then I got invited to do this talk at uh, Mile High. That was an example of me healing from that trauma speaking you yes yes that ancestral oh it's so so yeah it's very powerful you know shanna what do you always say no more it stops with me yes uh, yeah and talk about being able to clear like that throat chakra for being able to speak your truth there's so much to be said about that i'm glad that you went through that uh, part yeah. of your journey Here's the next leg of my journey is that I'm still going to go back to Korea. It's going to happen in 2021 because now I have this relationship with my father. It's just, oh my God. It's like the minute he died and passed away, I, we started having a relationship. All those years that he kept it down and kept it quiet. Now he wants to share his story and he's sharing it through me. He gives me information. He leads me here and there. And, and so now I want to go back to Korea. I'm going to go there and I have a bigger purpose is to understand. I, I want to know what he was fighting for. I want to know so much about him because he's not here to tell me now. I'm going to go there and, and I know he's, he's sharing with me as I'm doing this. So I'm going to go back next year, 2021, you know, explore the history of Korea. I've been already like deep diving into it and there's just so much there. You are like Shanna, like you have been chosen to stop that pattern. It's so yeah. beautiful. Well, then yeah. this is what I say to people who feel like they're constantly being stuck and they, they can't seem to move forward. And, you know, it's it's people like us. For example, my brothers don't care. Even if they know the story and they're like, wow, that's cool. They're not being called to do the healing, right? And so I realized that the people who are being called into the people who are really grappling with this and struggling with it and feeling the pain that pain is so purposeful it's there because we are the ones we are the ones that have been chosen like you said Mandy, to do the healing and that comes with so much honor you know that yes. comes with it's such a big role i cry every time i think about it i'm like they chose me yeah it brings you so much compassion too i mean i literally thought my grandfather was a piece of shit i thought he was a deadbeat dad yeah. And then 
I went in and dug into his story and his life. It all made so much sense. That's the healing. Oh, that's exactly what I experienced as well with my father. I was so angry with him. I was so mad at him. But now to know who he was and what he is like, now I just want to honor everything about him. In life, he was such an asshole. He was such a pain <laughs> ass. But in death, he's been so, so sweet. And I feel his unconditional love and I feel him Aww. with me. I feel very powerful because I, I know he's guiding me in every step yeah. of the way. God, you're freaking amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> you turned your pain into purpose. And that's what Sense of Soul is, is all about. Every single guest has to break that shit down. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down. You have the mic, my friend. Today we talked about so many stories around pain and suffering and all of that. And I just solely 100% believe that we're all being called into divine confidence. And divine confidence for me means having an unshakable faith in knowing who you are and what you're here to do, regardless, regardless of what's going on in the world outside of you, regardless of a global pandemic, regardless of an election, regardless of how much money is in your bank account, you know, regardless of what people are saying about you or not, that's all the outside stuff. And that outside stuff is really just a shadow. It's just a shadow effect of who we have been thinking and how we've been feeling on the inside in the past. And I just believe that divine confidence is really, really, really about connection to spirit. And when you have that connection to spirit or God that, oh, like, it's just so juicy and so powerful. And we all have that power within us. Awesome. And you know what, I want to give a shout out to that Reverend. What was his name? (laughs) Reverend John Hollis. (laughs) Shout out to you for wise words. What a beautiful message he gave you. Yeah. Kat, where can our listeners find you? What are you, what are you up to right now? I'm, I've got the School of Divine Confidence that will be opening its doors again in January. This is where I provide spiritual training and confidence coaching to rising women leaders, spiritual seekers, and change makers who just really know in their bones that they're being called to do something important, but they might find themselves holding back or playing small. So I help them overcome the blocks, fears, and shame, like so many of the things that I've overcome. Um, So that's starting in January, but you can find me in the Confident Leadership community on Facebook. Come see me, come ask questions, be part of the community. And here's something really fun that I'm going to start. I'm going to start a weekly unsermon. 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 Yeah. Wait, what's that? It's it's a sermon, but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's an unsermon. It's like, you know, it's my spiritual teaching that's going to move through me, but it's sort of a sermon yeah. but it's actually not but it is but it's not I'll show up for that one <laughs> um, oh my gosh I love it well thank you for sharing um, your pain and your purpose I woke up this morning really emotional and oh. just kind of having a hard morning so it's, thank you because I just feel great after speaking yeah. with thank you yeah. thank you same here actually man me too <laughs> right oh, I feel this kind of dread around working in my home by myself like I just I need this human connection so getting on this call with you guys has been so 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 good for me this is what what we're here for each other for can you tell our listeners the name of your social medias and your website yes my website is katkim k-a-t-k-i-m.com social is katkimofficial on facebook and instagram okay and where can they find this amazing article do you have it it's on my website 
we'll put it in the notes. We'll put the the video because you can't miss that. And we'll put, <laughs> we'll put your article. Good. Yeah. Good. We could just have you on all day. Seriously. Hey, love you. I love it. I'm so glad to meet you guys. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Am I upside down? No, you're sideways. Oh, I, I'm seeing. <laughs> we're all different directions. This is the funniest thing. What Me? the hell? There you, go. there you go. That's good. Okay. Hey, well, you just described my life. My life is always sideways like that. You're all good. <laughs> well, guess what? Y'all are all, we're all sideways to me. So on my, really? end, we're, on my end, we're all straight. How about you, Kat? Yeah. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. Now we're good. Okay. <laughs>